I'm Owen Richards, founder and CEO of Air Marketing and host of On Air with Owen. On Air is an interview series where I am lucky enough to interview some of the world's best sales leaders, as well as individual contributors, sales managers and entrepreneurs who contribute to our wider topic, which is revenue growth. Each guest picks a subject that they're an expert in and we drill down into that subject, hopefully giving you practical ideas and concepts and things that you can implement in your role or your business straight away. We discuss things like partnership channels, sales tactics, sales strategy, demand gen, marketing and business growth. And I hope that you enjoy listening to all of the ideas and expertise that comes from my discussions with our guests. So thanks for joining us. Sit back, relax and enjoy the listen. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of On Air. Today I am joined by Charles Smee. Charles is the founder of Transaction Focus. Um, we're going to be talking about an interesting one today. We're going to be talking about growing into international markets, taking your business over borders into other countries across EMEA and, and, and the things that you should think about and the things that work and don't work along that. I'm looking forward to learning a bit, something that um, I've done a bit of, but not a huge amount of. And, uh, you know, see over the last couple of years, it's become more and more viable for, for, for countries to expand or for organisations to expand. And yet there we are with, I'm sure, organisations assuming it's easier than it really is. And Charles is going to help us unpick that. Charles, firstly, thank you for joining us. And how are you? My pleasure. I'm feeling great. Thanks, Owen. Yeah, really good. good. Glad to have you on the show. Um, we always like to give our guests, before we get into topic, two minutes, just to talk about who's Charles, who are Transaction Focus, um, and, and perhaps for those people that don't already know, you could give some context. Good. Well, thank you very much. Welcome. Nice to meet you all there, the on-air marketing team and and everybody all the audience so yeah we're we're um so i'm charles i'm founder of transaction focus uh, we were established in 2004 so we're having our 18th birthday mm. next week um and we've been we established to help companies grow faster overseas um so my background i'm very fortunate i've worked in a lot of different markets so in in france Romania, Hungary, within Europe, and I've worked in um, Hong Kong, Malaysia, South Korea, and Vietnam, um, totaling about nine years in Asia. Mm. So we we have we have strong experience, and we have we're a network of 50, 60 sales and marketing professionals, rounded sales and marketing professionals in each country, um, who help you see the wood from the trees and help you stop you um, falling over obstacles when you enter in different markets so so that's what we do so we we help you go quicker but we also know the lay of land we have you know if you're talking to go into whether you're talking to go to Ghana or Malaysia we have people on the ground who can hold your hand and then select a team alongside alongside you we call it collaborative co-sourcing so we co-manage the project with you Mm-hmm. And we take responsibility for that and we protect your brand as well. So that's what we do. It's very simple. Exciting. It must be really interesting, I have to say, first and foremost. It's a, it's a fascinating sector to be a part of. I'm keen to just understand 
something to, to start off with, which is the why. Why do you, what are the most common reasons that you see organisations looking to go into a new territory or a new country? Is it that they've mastered their own territory or country or is it that they see something that's bigger and better overseas? Um, well, it's a good, there are different reasons, I think. It's a great question. Um, so sometimes it's to expand revenue and mm -hmm. become less dependent on their own economy. Yeah. Whether it's, it could be Mexico or it could be mm. Canada or wherever they're coming out of. Um, and and to and to find and to obviously, you know, exponentially from companies going outside the UK, for example, I think the DTI Department of Trade Industry say that on average companies would expand into global markets, they grow their turnover by 40% on average. So if you think about that, some might grow their turnover by 5%, others might grow by 2000%, you know. So there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of companies are, are um, perhaps a bit timid, about reticent. Yeah. Um, they, they're, they're slightly fearful in some cases of going into a new market they don't know. And that's where we come in. And it's it's actually, it's easier than you think, although you've got to do a very clear step process mm. to get it right. And, and, and I think there's a really interesting, but it's easier than you think is a, is a lovely comment coming from somebody who's done it for 18 years. Um, and, and of course, you'll know things and, and of course, you don't know what you don't know. And I'm keen to, to, to maybe dig into that and understand what are what are some of the, the maybe the misconceptions, some of the assumptions that you see people make around moving into international markets that that that, that maybe aren't real? Yeah, and well, I've, I've done it for a bit longer than that because I've done it for 18 years, transaction focus, and over 30 years in actually in yeah. markets and running ventures. Mm. But the point the point is that I think you, yeah, sometimes you think it's quite easy to sell from US into France or somewhere, mm. and it's. It, it's, it's, it can be it, initially it can be easy but you can become unstuck after a period of time by the local regulations you can end up paying quite a lot of tax mm. you can end up being getting into employment tribunals you can you can so you can fall over a lot of obstacles which you don't see in the beginning and it can yeah, be received yeah. and with covid we've had to be you know, we, we've had to be quite bold sometimes and say, right, OK, well, I've got somebody in the UK and I might as well have somebody in France and Germany. And, well, I've never done it before, but let's just go for it. Mm. But sometimes you've got to be a bit more careful and you've got to think it through. And if, you, if you're going into an international market the first time, you've got to work out whether <clears throat> what's your strategy is going to be like. You can be there are three ways of growing a company is direct sales, which you and I know about a lot in inside sales and outside sales and then there's indirect sales which is working with partners and distributors and then you can actually if you want to grow faster sometimes you can purchase you do by acquisition mm. so we mainly focus on the direct and the indirect sales and we help mm. you with experienced peoples on the ground to just show you and to guide you and and sometimes you just we're setting you on your way and you go and do it yourself do it your own way mm. and sometimes we're accompanying you for several years we obviously like to work with clients yeah where there's a natural fit and generally we help clients and if there could be a natural maybe in the first few weeks mm. you can decide you want just some knowledge from us but some some clients we work for we're working with a client now we work for 12 years so wow. and we work with intel corporation for five years um we're still working with them and so we work 
you know, we work for other companies sometimes for three years um, or two years. So we don't see it as short term sales projects mm. or just pure lead gen projects. Mm. And we, we like to close the loop and follow, get, provide the support on the ground mm. to make sure you get sustained and keep profitable customers coming back for more and more. That's what we, so it's, mm. so it's natural, sustainable revenue growth. That's what we, yeah. that's what we like doing. And of course, there, there will be obvious things that as a, as a, as a naive uh, founder of a business that's never grown into an international market before, there's a, there are some obvious things that stand in your way, language being one of them that everybody can pick up. If I'm going to go into France, I probably need to think about speaking some some French or, or having people that can speak French and collateral has got to be changed and so on and so forth. I guess it's the less obvious things that often get in the way because they're less prepared for if you don't use somebody like yourself or work with somebody who's done it before. Maybe you could shine a light on some of those 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 common mistakes that people make as they go into new markets yeah we know we've even had a i, th I think it's the skills you know first of all you've got to have you no know, i go into meeting business meeting i speak lived there for three years in france mm. so i speak with an english accent but i speak very fluent french mm. um my my ex was french we were together for 29 years so mm. so we so I, I'm very familiar, but I wouldn't go into a meeting on my own, a key meeting mm. in France with a board of directors, you know, there's, yeah. there's no way, or even just an individual meeting. I think you've got to have a local partner, a local team. And mm. sometimes you're, you know, sometimes SaaS is not that simple. You know, we, we were actually working with a French client coming in, selling into the NHS, okay? Mm. And sometimes you need that creative thought of the process during when the NHS got closed down you can mm. also couldn't sell software and hardware to the nhs so we brought in a crisis pr person to help us mm. who's based down your what your if you ever need her she's based down the road from you <laughs> and so she's great and so she you, know, you needed so to talk about a communication strategy towards an nhs which is locked down mm. so you need need special so i think sales you know i've worked a lot in marketing agencies so I think sales and marketing is all about brand talk, about having the right conversation at the right time, whether it's on the telephone, whether it's tweeting, whether it's however. We need to get that communication together. And I think, I think we do that very well. Um, mm. And, you know, we perhaps need partners like you occasionally to help us mm. in our marketing to, to, to look at a campaign, how we can do something together. So, mm. so it's getting the communication right and getting the planning right and what you want to achieve. And it's like anything, it's like setting that goal. If you're going into France, how are you going to, who you're targeting, why? Um, and you can you can have a target them from an office in Canada if you want, if that's mm. French speaking. Um, but what's your next, what's your stage approach? And we help you, having done that many times, do it quite well. Um, I don't know whether I've answered your question. How I answered the question? Yeah, no, no, no it's it's brilliant. I, I, you know, we're we're learning, and I think uh, well, I guess what I'm keen to try and uncover is, you know, if I was going to do this by myself, and I wasn't going to come and talk to to Charles and his team, yeah. what what are some of the mistakes that I'm likely to make that you would help me to avoid? And um, maybe that's a better way of framing it because I'm assuming I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming one of them might be the cultural piece. You've got to understand the culture and take the time to learn that you know in 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 Asia you give a business card with two hands, for example, and you know yeah. silly little things like that that can 
in reality, you can win or lose with deal in a different in a different uh, in a different country. Yeah, that's no, that's if you're CEO of a SaaS company and you're going over to Japan or you know that's you sort of bow your head and get two hundred. Mm. And you know that's that's just polite. You know, there's we talk about IQ and and EQ, emotional intelligence, and they're what we call a CQ, cultural intelligence. You know, that's mm. sort of basics. And your senior level people need to be up to speed on that. So sometimes we bring in cultural people who might be Japanese or whatever if you're going to Japan. Yeah. To, to help you. So that's quite important. But they, but it's finding the people on the ground. And if you're in, if you're not Japanese, you don't know what the which. Best Japanese person to find. If you're not French, you don't know mm. the intricacies of finding. You know, you and I hire sales and marketing people all the time, so mm. we kind of know that in the UK or elsewhere. So you need the people. You need to rely on very trustworthy people yeah. on yeah. the ground who aren't just corporate people. Who or they, you know, we have people who are very senior people who oversee the project and and protect your brand. Most mm. it's about brand stewardship. Yeah, we take that very seriously. Okay, and and it's also finding you know they understand they can find the right people who are going to be genuinely represent you rather mm. than. And there's a lot of churn at the moment with salespeople yeah. globally with the great resignation and everybody and wanting to work from home. So it's also mm. more important getting the work life balance in in line with the culture, in line with the expectations. It's mm. a lot of um, there's quite a lot of work involved, what we call, mm. you know, we don't, I sometimes think, maybe sometimes you think it, I could have made far more money just setting up a sales recruitment company. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you and I know, Owen, that that's the easy part, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Actually, recruitment is easy, but it's actually getting the, the a salesperson who generates mm -hmm. sustainable, continuous revenue yeah. and gets better and better. And mm. part of what we do, which is sales outsourcing, is to improve your process or enable you to grow internationally, improving what you do in your own country. So that's our challenge. And we, we're quite candid about that. We're very direct with you mm -hmm. in a very pragmatic and you know, collaborative sense. So mm -hmm. um, so that's the, the, there's a whole, to me, it's a whole art actually, sales and marketing. Um, you can do it completely differently but still be successful yeah um, yeah and that's that's why that's why i've been doing it for so many years because mm. it's such fun it, you know i think you hit the nail on the head there you said earlier it'd be easier to make money doing something but you wouldn't enjoy it as much and, and i think that's a yeah critical component of, of anything you, you you just touched on something there that i want to just just stop on for a minute um you talked about the, you know, suddenly you've got to go recruit somebody in another country. Maybe they're, they're working in their second language. And, you know, how do you know what a good employee looks like in Japan if you, you've not worked there or you're not Japanese and any other country is the same? And I think you, there's a really interesting point in there around, as an organisation, not only do you need to sell differently, market differently and operate differently, you also need to employ differently. And I guess there's got to be a consideration around not just culture as an in international culture, but culture as in within the organization and the way that it needs to shift to accommodate people who are coming from another continent, another country where they do things differently. You can't just keep the same settings running and just assume that people will adopt into that and, and buy into it and just, just, just conform. But actually, I guess the whole organization needs to shift somewhat. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you know, I think organizations 
which are naturally multicultural. So they could mm. be they could be San Francisco based and they could have a mixture of maybe Chinese, mm. African, all types of people. I think they naturally get it much quicker and they adapt quicker. Sometimes mm. if you've got a an all British board, we're probably the worst actually if we have an yeah. all British board, we don't adapt very quickly sometimes. Mm. And so it's very important to have a, a multinational culture. But we can change that for you because we can coach you and help you know, mm. mentor you as well. But yeah, it is it's that adaptation of, of, of making sure that you, know, you 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 understand the challenge ahead and yeah. and not assuming you know everything. Sometimes you can be successful initially and get quick revenue, and then sometimes sometimes you can become unstuck, and mm-hmm. that's fine. But as long as as long as you know, it's like being a, a sports person, international tennis player, or international golfer, and you you suddenly realise you do rather well, and then something something doesn't go so well you have to then perhaps change your coaching team or bring in a mentor or bring in a a cultural advisor or a a local country so you know we can be brought in at at a late stage as well Mm. yeah really interesting um when you think about um the countries that you've helped organizations expand into are there any that stick out as being particularly I don't want to use the word easy, but easier, let's say, where it feels like the, the change isn't as big, where the fr- there's not as much friction. Uh, and equally, at the other end, are there some that are kind of, you know, not avoid at all costs, but maybe maybe are harder on the scale, let's say? Yeah, I, I think we, we found, like, we always advise people, if you go into Asia Pacific, you start in Singapore. You know, we, mm. we've got a, we worked actually, we worked quite closely with the British Chambers of Commerce and yep. Department. And so we helped a pharmaceutical company in contract in East Midlands, expand, get a contract with Singapore Health, mm-hmm. with our team on the ground, and then, and you know, and that was quite easy because it's, I suppose, British. You know, a lot of companies do start with the. It's funny. I'm going up to the Commonwealth Games on Friday, but it's mm-hmm. start with the Commonwealth, and it's kind of, you know, you, or you can go into sort of South Africa, or Australia. Australia is quite harder than people think because they think it's easier, but it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Getting into Australia, getting good salespeople. Yeah. So see people that, but it's somewhere like Singapore can be very, you know, that's getting expensive. So you might decide to go to Malaysia, mm. you've got, um, which is also quite straightforward. So mm. some countries are, you know, they're not so hard. Um, some people think it's easier selling into the states. So I think doing inside sales effectively, you can do it from extra and call mm. into the USA with good people very effectively. Mm. Yeah. When then. But maybe then when you go on, have to have grow your business, it then becomes more complex because then you yeah. have people on the ground. And so so there are different different ways of doing it, mm. different phases. It's interesting you talk about the Australian piece. I, I lived and worked in Australia for eight years. And, and it's one of the things that, that you often see people making big, big mistakes on is, is that the, the change in cost of labor, cost of operation yeah. is substantial. And if your income is relative to that of a of an economy that works in a different way. You go and just try and slot the same model. And it's so important, I guess, that you do that research around not just culture and the soft piece, but also the tangible, how much it actually costs, what taxes have I got to pay? What's the, the cost of labor? You know, what are the what are the employment laws? How hard is it or easy is it to maneuver people in and out of the business if I need to? All of those sorts of things that yeah, I guess that takes a hell of a lot of work to get to the point where you're confident this is the right or wrong decision. 
Yeah, I think that's why I think you've got to look at your progression of what your objectives are and how deeply entrenched in the market sits. You know, some, mm-hmm. sometimes you can just do stay in the UK and get sales, depending on what, what business mm-hmm. you're doing. Um, so you, you you need to work it out with people on the ground who know the lay of the land. And mm. Australia culture is probably not the most demanding, but on other aspects it can be the distance. Yeah, and, uh, yeah we we I went I actually lived in Australia as well. I went for a year when I was I I hitched hike, hitchhiked around Australia when I was nineteen, mm. and I, before that I could the film um, called Wolf's Creek I think which oh yes uh, before that you were allowed to hitch around Australia but, yeah. Um, and so, and then I had a project with um, with a Scottish energy partner, and we went out to Perth, Australia in 2011. It was great to go out to Perth, Western Australia during February. <laughs> and they paid for us and we did consulting thing yeah. for them. And they were going to launch a solar company in, in, in Europe. And so we were mm. very excited. Then we they asked us to set up, show them how to sell better. So we set up a team in Scotland, but we had to get up and we had to get up at four in the morning yeah. to be on the phones at six. And then the, the daylight saving changed. And then we had to get up at one in the morning and be on the phones at five. <laughs> and it got rather difficult. And then our pool of candidates got you know, got harder to recruit. You yeah. know? So you can imagine. So there's a lot of logistical issues. Mm-hmm. And that was just purely a, a, a pre-sales. Well, it's, it's, it's actually we're closing deals on the phone as well but it's if that's a hard project you know so sometimes you've got to find a better way you know yeah yeah and it's interesting that thing about time difference is a real challenge and and it's not one you can solve it's not one that goes away ever so you know i have a, a, a organization that i work with very closely in australia and a business partner in australia and we you have to live with that on a, you know, an ongoing basis and make it work and there's a huge amount of compromise that you you don't think about which is that it's going to eat into time that you might otherwise see as time that you this personal time or family time or sleep time um and you know that can be a fairly big commitment depending on what you've got going on in your life and i, I you know I, I would guess that there are a lot of um uh, underestimated moves into new territories from organizations who see the yeah, the flashing light over here and think, well, that's exciting. We can go into that territory. It's a great territory. There's however many businesses, good, strong economy. And they get in and go, oh, geez, have we bitten off more than we can chew? Yeah, that's that's right. I think I think people going to something like China, that's I heard that many, many times that they get mm-hmm. embroiled in the legislation and they and it's quite hard. And then your your brand might be compromised. You know, it can be it can be very complex. So you've got to, mm-hmm. you need the local people, and you need to listen to the people, the local Chinese people. And, yeah, and sometimes yeah. having like, you know, I'd listen to you about Australia because you lived there a long time, you know, mm-hmm. so having somebody like that, having somebody in China who's maybe not necessarily just Chinese, seeing from the Chinese point of view, somebody who's lived there and done it themselves for their other companies. Yeah. So using a bit of an expat experienced person as well along mm-hmm. alongside a local Chinese person mm-hmm. so having a little team to help you is quite important because you mm-hmm. you get a, a dual a dual perspective yeah and am I right in thinking you do a lot of movement across 
EMEA or EMEA, as you, uh, I think you called it earlier, you know, that, that you're taking countries from from the UK into the Nordics or into to France or whatever it might be. Is that a lot of the work that you do now? Yeah, actually funny, we're helping a Turkish company from Ankara. It's a, a SaaS company again. Mm. Um, government that's helping again going into, funny enough, West Africa. We're not, mm. we've got a good team there. And so, so that's a bit unusual having yeah. not, now I'm, I've been to Turkey many times, but I don't deep, deeply understand the mm. myself. But I've got a guy called Alpa on the ground. He's amazing, and, mm. and then he's he knows our team in West Africa, so he's now not really involved. Quite mm. um, but it's just that's the sort of thing we're doing. Yeah, and you know our job. You know, our, it's very simple. Our vision in 2004 or even before was to have so truly fun, entrepreneurial, integral sales and marketing people in every country in the world. Mm. And, and and that's what we're doing. And um, that was our vision and our and that's and we just help helping and helping SAS and other mm. other companies grow naturally their business and grow themselves yeah. professionally overseas. Because I think as a CEO you could become a highly successful US mm. CEO, but then adapting and become yeah. a a very highly successful international CEO is something very different. So we can help that transformation with our teams. And that's quite exciting. You know. What, what, what advice would you give to somebody who was going into a new territory around the amount of time it takes to settle in, to, to maybe to start to see a return on your investment, to start to see it feeling like it's a, a good decision? Because I guess there's a period where it's, yeah, it's pretty scary. There's lots of new stuff happening. You're investing in people and process and change. And, you know, you've got to trust the process for it to come through in terms of return and in terms of it feeling like it's settled and performing well. Is there is there a period of time you'd say you've got to sort of set your expectations at? Well, you know, it's, it's like any sales conversation you have with any client, you know, mm. it's about the sales cycle length, typical yeah. sales cycle length. And when, we, when you're selling into government, it could be a year before you get a deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're setting up a, a simple SaaS software, it could be 10 days or, mm-hmm. or a week or, or a few days, you know. So that that's a, but however, I think I'm always telling companies, you know, because a lot of companies say, well, we want to start in, you know, they're talking about now they want to start in Q, Q4. And I'm saying, well, if you're going to start in Q4 in October, You've got to start planning now. You know you've got to really, really mm. and don't don't procrastinate. You got you because know, you get everything. The more time you have planning, and the more time you we we have to get it, you know, the better, more successful we are. So it's it's mm. sometimes I think you should plan at least nine months, six nine months before you actually yeah. go into the market and actually really best start selling. Mm. that's really interesting advice so i was that was my next question around you know if you're going in in january 2024 when's the time to start putting the plan together and it sounds like it's you know march 2023 you know Absolutely. you've got to be yeah, yeah that's right i think it's right and you can do that even if you do it start at the end of this year and start thinking it through you know you know, you've got to register ip you've got to think you know we what what we do is we we enable you to manage the sales team so then you can hire the sales team from us yeah which is when we charge a typical recruitment be about 15 percent but you you know that when you hire that salesperson you really want them to work with you and you know that they've got consistent results for you for six months to a year 
um, and you can hire them off us, okay, but we've got, and that justifies, we've generated enough revenue to justify you to open up an office there, and then we we bring bring in a team or refer you to other partners of ours mm -hmm. and set up an office and do it properly. Yeah. But sometimes you, depending on the product, you might you might actually have to set up an office or some sort of an office, whether it's representative office, or or even do a, a joint venture or find a yeah. distributor, and we help you do that process as well. We do distributed yeah. due diligence part PDD DDD um, to make sure you get that absolutely nailed on because you. You can go very, you can all go very wrong in, in some, you know, even in France, if you have a agent, agent commercial, they, they actually can hold your under law, they, they they hold their client base, you can't go direct without no. being sued. So you, have, you go to in France, you think, oh, well, I don't, I, I don't want to hire somebody under my own name, I, I just hire an agent commercial, you end up a year down the road, you they own the clients, you don't. So mm -hmm. not many people know that, you know, and, and it's and there's a law in every country, there's a different law. Yeah, yeah, it's those, those idiosyncratic things that you just don't, you don't know what you don't know. And it's uh, it, it's yeah. one of the, the, you know, the most powerful phrases in business, well, in life generally, isn't it? You know, we make, we make big assumptions that everything's the same and it's absolutely not the case. I'm keen just to, just one final question for me, just around, any, I guess, key bits of advice. So if I'm sitting here now, I'm the founder of a SaaS company or I'm a, you know, a VP or whatever it might be, and I'm thinking about, do I go over into EMEA? Do I go into West Africa? Do I go somewhere else? What are the what are the top three or five things you'd be saying around, you know, building out criteria for whether that could be a good decision or not? What, what are the things that you're looking at in that scenario? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's, um, I think you, it's the same thing as you advise people, I think, mm. around if you're somebody's coming to the U UK from the US or whatever, you, mm. you say, you know, you look at your your profitable, sustainable model. Okay, it's, what's your I ICP? What's your yeah. ideal client profile? Who who's going to where are you going to get revenue most easily? Which country is it going to be in? Is Sweden? Or is it going to be in France or is it going to be in Italy? You know, you, uh -huh. and then you find out and you might test all three. So yeah. you, you set up a, you'd kind of test, you know, we might go in, you know, I took a client to an exhibition in Geneva the other day and, you know, because that's for their product line. So you might go to an exhibition and you might, first year, you might not actually have a stand because you're not mm -hmm. sure, you don't. But you can look around and scout around and do that research mm -hmm. in that year. So that ideally should be done well a year before you launch. You know, so. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's just finding that market and doing that pre-research. Um, mm -hmm. If you find the Japanese the most prodigious in terms of research, they research everything five years ahead. You know. mm -hmm. And and but you don't you don't necessarily need to do that. You can find quite quickly. Um, yeah. Um, so, so so the. Yeah, so that's the first thing, looking at the ideal client profile, finding the profitable, sustainable business model and mm. finding which countries is going to be yep. the best opportunity for you. That's mm. the most important. Yeah, fantastic. Charles, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoyed hearing you talk about um, just the the, 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 I guess, the, the habits in different countries and the types of things that, that, that you've been through over the last however many years, um, helping organisations expand internationally um 
I, th- I guess it's fairly obvious in terms of who can you guys help? Because, you know, assuming it's anybody who's planning to go into international markets and would like some support with that. But are there certain sorts of companies that you enjoy working with or you feel are, are really strong for going into international markets that that, that, that are looking at it right now? And and, and um, also, how can, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to do that? Well, just you can just come onto our website and just email me. I think it's best to talk, you know. We, we always do a... You know, we always have a few, you always get a few free sessions out of us mm-hmm. because we like to know whether we want to work with you as well and, mm-hmm. and whether you've got the right approach. Because if you, you know, if you feel that you haven't got the right approach, we're not going to waste our time and your time. And mm-hmm. so, so it's very important that we have a few sessions and we can see, and then we get you very quickly onto our local team. Yeah. If you say they want to go into, you know, Romania, we have our Claudio, our Romania part, Romanian partner on the call very, very quickly. So you yeah. You've got to have a connection with them. You've got to feel comfortable with them. You know, and then, you know, that's what we do. Um, it's, and we go from there and then we start planning. And then we start planning. We we might arrange, you know, a, an agreement. We look at an agreement and see how we move forward. Mm, brilliant. And, and just in terms of the organisations, just, you know, there's certain types of organisations that you guys oh, sorry, yeah. really enjoy um, working with. Well, we, we work a lot in SaaS, we you know, call it. SaaS with two S's, software sales as a service is kind of what we mm. do. Um, however, we do um, we work for manufacturing companies, we work mm-hmm. for food companies. Yeah, we 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 done all sorts already, and we're happy to do. We're pretty sector agnostic, quite honestly. Mm. Um, and so that's well, that SaaS is sector agnostic. So excellent. Um, yeah, hardware. No, we, traditional companies we help as well. Yeah. Um, and, um, and sometimes companies talk to us and they come back to us three years later when they're ready. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine when it's the right time. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks for putting us on air. No, not at all. Lovely to have you on. Really good topic to, to learn about and something that, that I've not done a huge amount of. So really interesting to hear you talk about it. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. You too. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. Another episode of On Air Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. I hope you learned something. I always learn something from these discussions. Please like, follow, share, subscribe so that you can listen to the future interviews that I do with other sales leaders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and marketing leaders from around the world.